Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, welcome to For the Girls, the new podcast for everything Formula One. I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I am Chessa. So as our friend Sarah said, we are here for all of you. We are your place for everything Formula One, but with a twist, of course. We'll give you all the classic good info that you need. We're talking race previews, analysis, and all the technical explainers so that you can sound legit when you talk to your friends. But... We obviously have to throw in some extra good stuff in there for you as well. We're bringing a fresh female New York City perspective to all of the off-track F1 news as well. The business of F1, the personalities and the wags, and of course, the drama behind the sport. It's on Netflix for a reason, guys. (laughs) Um, So as Tressa said, you can expect weekly from us race previews and recaps, and then we'll do some feature episodes on specific topics as the season goes along as well. Um, But we also want to hear from you guys. So follow us on Instagram at ForTheGirls, which is F1R The Girls, and send us questions or topics you'd like us to discuss, and we will make sure to hit them. Usually we're going to keep our episodes nice and concise, under 30 minutes to get you what you need to know. This episode is going to be a bit longer because we're doing two races at once, but we promise normally to be under 30 minutes. All right, let's get right into it and just talk quickly about some of our main takeaways from the first two races. Okay, TLDR. Obviously, we have to talk about Ferrari. Epic. So good. They're making their comeback. We're all very excited about that. And Tiggy, you have a favorite Ferrari driver, don't you? (laughs) Well, I love both of them, honestly, but I have been a longtime Carlos fan and I have my eye on him this season. I really don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And he's been very hard on himself in the past. So I'm, I'm ready for some Carlos action. But obviously, Charles is king. Same. I'm also excited to see Carlos because he really has to get a win fast to establish that he's not the number two wingman driver, which he very clearly does not want to be. He's way too competitive. So I think that could get spicy as the season goes along. I'm also super, I'm super excited for the fact that the racing has been so clean so far. We haven't had a lot of the super aggressive Max moves that we saw last season. Both Max and Charles are still getting along really well. They're congratulating each other after the race and complimenting each other. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not that dynamic continues. And later we can talk kind of more about their racing dynamic, but that is one of the standouts to me so far. 
Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's going to be, it's already shaping up to be such an awesome season. I mean, we've got Haas's battling Mercedes. We have Stroll edging out Hamilton and qualifying Checo's first ever pole and just like the frequent and clean passing between Max and Charles so far. I think we're in for an awesome, awesome season. It's so exciting. And I guess we would be remiss if we didn't mention Mercedes and McLaren, sort of the two (laughs) big shockers so far. So as I'm sure you all know by now, Mercedes, in fact, wasn't sandbagging. They really just are that far off the pace. McLaren, too, at first looked good in testing in Barcelona and then had brake problems in Bahrain and things have just deteriorated from there. So sad for Danny Rick. We'll see if things turn around in Australia. Hamilton and Mercedes typically have been accused of sandbagging. So being like reverse psychology in the whole thing and being like, oh yeah, like everyone looks so good this season. We're not going to be able to keep up, blah, 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 blah. And then just coming out and blowing it out of the water. But they were for real. They're really not, they're really not living up to their potential this season. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm still a little skeptical. I'm not going to lie of, (laughs) you know, how fast they really might be this season. So I would never count out Mercedes and I would definitely never count out Hamilton, but we'll see how they do. It is encouraging to see some other teams sort of up there in the top 10, like Haas is having its moment, you know, um, which is pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. I also definitely won't count out Mercedes. I feel like once they get porpoising under control, they will be back at the front and it's just a matter of how long that takes them and whether or not they're out of contention if it doesn't happen till race 10, but we'll see. Let's get into some of the races, guys. So we've had Bahrain and we've had Saudi. Um, Sarah, I don't know if you want to start with Bahrain. Sure. We will start with Bahrain qualifying to give you guys a little bit of a background. So as we know, Ferrari and Red Bull looked really strong during testing. And so kind of the big question was whether or not that would actually hold up. So we saw in qualifying Ferrari was living up to being super reliable and fast. Great pull from Charles um, and Carlos was so close as well. As we're saying, qualifying was really the first indication that Mercedes wasn't sandbagging. Hamilton was P5 and Russell was P9. So that was kind of the first (laughs) indication that it was real. Red Bull looked good. Max P2, Checo P4. Yeah, I'm laughing because I love to stir the pot. This qualifying was what everyone wanted to see. Like we had Haas just come out of nowhere. Typically Haas is way in the back. It's so sad. Gunther, the the principal, we love him. He's so charismatic and he's just had a hard run at things. So Haas came up, K-Mag, our king, Kevin Maxson, P7. Obviously they have a Ferrari engine, so we're not surprised, but that was a huge surprise. Um, Sarah, talk about your your king, Botas. (laughs) Botas, my king. If anyone hasn't seen his TikToks and content about coffee, please go watch. He's so wholesome. Um, Legendary from him, P6. And Alfa Romeo had a lot of reliability issues during testing. So I was worried, but they really put it together. And he out-qualified George. So I think that's really our kind of karmic redemption here for the start of the season. Yeah. So I was so proud of it. And for those who don't know, George took Botas's seat. So uh, we want to we want to see a little bit of Botas redemption here. I'm all for it. Um, and then obviously, I think the big whiff so far of the season <laughs> is McLaren. What is going on with them? You know, they're they're really having a tough time in qualifying. Norris was P13. Danny Rick was P18. 
So it's it's tough start for them, especially for Danny after struggling last season. Um, I'm I'm curious to see where they go because it's it's really not looking good in the first two races. And I'm just gonna say, Danny, like we love him. He's so charismatic, and I hate to say this, but like slightly overly cocky. So it just makes me so uncomfortable to watch him not do well. Not because I care that much, because it just must be really hard for him. So <laughs> I'm gonna come um, in with a little Danny defense. I don't think he's necessarily any cockier than the other drivers. I just think that he's has such a big personality that it's more upfront because I guess he's just cocky about his looks. Not how he drives <laughs> your race, Sarah. So but yeah, McLaren had these front brake issues and barring testing. Um, but I don't think anyone really thought that it would be quite this bad, like going from fighting for P3 in constructors with Ferrari last season to literally trying to make like struggling to get out of Q1. So we'll see. Last thing to mention about quality before I move on to the actual race. What the fuck is with these photos of the drivers? <laughs> like if you guys have been seeing the photos, they are like these weird they're washed out with like really high contrast. Like Checo, go look at it. He looks like a conquistador from like the 1850s. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, I think the only one that it does kind of justice to is Charles, but we're not surprised. I know someone did everyone so dirty with these graphics <laughs> and we can get into this, but the graphics have been lagging. And in Saudi, they, the graphics said that um, Carlos was starting from the pit lane when he wasn't. It's like, like McLaren, graphics department is a little bit on the back foot so far, so gotta fix these pictures. Okay, Tiggy, do you want to tell us a little bit about the first lap of the race? Yeah, for sure. I would say like pretty standard start overall. Um, nothing too high drama or crazy, but we saw a great start from Charles. Max probably wasn't as aggressive as we were expecting. Um, Leclerc was sort of easily in front of him going into turn one. We had an awful start from Bototh. I mean, he was very just slow off the line and dropped immediately to P14. I mean, I guess just a couple quick things to note. I mean, it was really great to see Magnussen and the Haas battling with a Mercedes on lap one. Like, what a great start to the first race. <laughs> sexy, sexy. Yep. Um, and then just a side note, these new camera angles in the driver's helmets, so cool. Like, I, it is so amazing. They've been waiting. Yeah. They've been waiting a long time to get those in. It's like epic. Why uh, Max always sounds like he's about to die when he's like <laughs> screaming into the thing. Like their heads are shaking around. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get to radios, but like it also makes me so much more impressed with like Leclerc and like all these drivers who sound so chill on their radios and they literally look like you're, they're being throttled back and forth in that view yeah. but anyway so overall beginning of the race kind of boring um side note for our viewers sarah tiggy and i were watching this race together and um yeah i missed the beginning of the race i was on a date and i had missed nothing so it was great we joined in like middle of the race and it started to get spicy Fessa showed up right around lap 17 when things started getting exciting so this was our big max charles fight max came from pretty far behind into turn one lunged ahead of Charles into turn one and got through. But then Charles got DRS and passed Max into turn four. Then the exact same thing happened the next lap. Max passes, lunges um, past Charles, turn one on the inside. Charles again gets DRS and passes, Ma passes Max at turn four. Then for the third lap in a row, Max went on the inside at turn one, but he locked up. Charles got back ahead, kept the lead. 
Um, and so this was a good contrast in their driving styles where Charles was being very patient and strategic. He knew that if he just let Max through at turn one, he would get DRS. Um, Sarah, can you talk about that a little bit for people that don't understand like the strategy about like waiting, maybe not wanting to get DRS, like how that's going to work? Sure. So if people aren't familiar with it, DRS is called drag reduction system and it comes into play um, after the first lap of the race when there is an under one second gap between a car and the car behind it. And the point of it is to make it easier to pass. So once DRS is enabled in certain um, zones on the track, the back wing of the car opens up to reduce drag and makes it much easier to pass. So if one car gets through and you know you're entering a DRS zone and getting DRS like two turns later, you can just let them through knowing that then you're going to have the speed advantage. So we'll talk a little exactly. bit about Saudi. There's kind of these DRS chicken games happening now, which we'll get into, but that's kind of an interesting twist to the season so far as well. Charles was definitely playing that game during this race. And you can tell because Charles was so patient and like he was letting Max through and then, and then jumping ahead um, and waiting for the DRS where Max was like, notoriously very impatient just like trying to lunge every time so that's why there was so much back and forth which obviously as a viewership was super exciting my jaw was like to the floor for the whole time of the overtaking it was yeah Chelsea's face it was, was amazing Chelsea has a very expressive face it was great I literally couldn't breathe I was so pumped like well, Chelsea as our <laughs> resident Italian it's time to talk about Ferrari Ferrari is back baby I'm done that's all I'll say no I'm kidding um, Ferrari want to, but I'm going to say it's not organic only because we'll talk about this, but the Red Bulls both, uh, did not finish, but really a perfect race weekend from, from Charles. He had pole, he led the first lap, great little fight with Max came out on top. Everyone was super, super excited. Um, obviously, like we said before, Carlos does not want to be the supporting wingman to Charles. He really wants to win himself. So he did really well. He got P2. Yeah, he was not happy with himself. So overall, though, epic, epic race for Ferrari. And, and let's just talk really quick about Ferrari and their engines. We're going to go into this in another episode, but they've been struggling with their engines for the past few years, since 2019. And this year's engine has been many years in the making. So this is like full-on redemption. They're so excited. And Yes, the reason Sarah passes off to me is I'm a Italian lady and <laughs> my whole family loves Formula One and Ferrari. So this was obviously super exciting for us. Um, fun little stat. So like I said, the Sporto is like the, the sports magazine that all Italians just read religiously. The Monday after the race, um, the Sunday race, Monday newspaper, they sold 20,000 more copies. So this is going to be insane. And Ferrari's glory days were a while ago. Like we're talking Michael Schumacher, like back in the day. So could this be their final comeback and they're going to end up on top again? I don't know. We're very excited and I can't wait to see how, how it plays. I know. I was going to say, I'm a little worried that this is going to get the Tifosi's expectations super high. Like you were saying, return to kind of early 2000s Schumacher glory days. Um, and historically, sometimes they haven't been as good at developing dirt, the car during the season. So Hopefully they can hang on. We'll see. Because right now it's so good to see them back on top after just so much struggle in the past two seasons. Ferrari rides so hard on their on their like supporters and stuff. So even if they're too optimistic, it's going to only be for the better. Yeah, and I think it's it's good. They've been they've had a, a tough couple past seasons, but they've been patient. I feel like they've developed this amazing car. I feel like they're in a good spot and. 
we'll see where it goes on Red Bull. So this was crazy <laughs> to me. Like I, I accidentally saw a spoiler before because we watched the race slightly later. I saw a spoiler that both didn't finish, but I didn't know what had happened. So I assume that either they crashed or I don't know, but this was insane. So anyway, yes. Because Red Bull's historically reliable too. Like Red Bull doesn't really have reliability problems. So let's just take a step back. So they both didn't finish. They had fuel system problems with a vacuum. For both cars, for whatever reason, like the, the fuel delivery system crashed out, the vacuum broke. Literally max on the last, yeah, in the third to last lap just shuts down. And then Checo spins out in the final lap. Like what in the world? And so lucky for Lewis and Mercedes that that got them a a podium uh, in this race because that was not going to happen. But yeah. I love that we haven't even talked about Lewis yet. Like this is how good of a season it is that we haven't even mentioned him. Crazy. I know. It was also a little annoying for Checo. A lot of the reporting was kind of saying, oh, he spun out on the last lap and gave third to Lewis. But it was Mm. the same fuel delivery problem that Max had. Max was having a lot of issues. He was also complaining about his steering. In hindsight, they realized this was because of his car being dropped during one of the pit stops. But Lambiasi, his race engineer couldn't see the issue on his end. Data on their end wasn't showing a steering issue. And so he kept saying to Max on the radio, like, there's no problem with your steering. And Max, as we were saying, gets so frazzled. Um, Yeah, and I think... That radio etiquette is interesting, like watching that live during the race and the engineer being like, Max, you know, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. Like the covering of certain things in, I'm not saying he was covering, obviously he didn't, he couldn't see, but just what they choose to say and not say on the radio is interesting. And I'm of just going to get into that later on. Um, yeah. Totally. Well, we'll get into that next race about the Ferrari pit stop that wasn't. Um, so that is... Yeah, that's definitely something to look out for is the kind of games on the radio or what the teams do or don't want to say, knowing that all the other teams can hear. And just speaking of the radio, can we just comment on how Checo always drives the most quiet race? Like, we didn't hear him at all until, like, on the last lap. He's like, my engine is failing. I am losing power. And meanwhile, like, you literally just hear Max screaming at everyone on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would be way worse. (laughs) We'd be like... We would sound like we were riding like a rodeo bull that was also like massively vibrating. Like, <laughs> Let's talk about Mercedes, Sarah. So they have a huge porpoising problem. We will get more into porpoising kind of the new regulations impacts on this season in the future. But the TLDR is it causes the car to bounce up and down really badly on the straights. Mercedes, it was so bad at points during testing where you could see George Russell's head just bouncing up and down and he would kind of say in interviews after like yeah that was incredibly uncomfortable um so they have the biggest purposing problem of the top teams and they more or less fix it for the actual race but they clearly had to make sacrifices to do so it was sheer sheer luck that they got p3 lewis in the interviews after seemed thrilled to get p3 which is how you know that they were in really bad shape all right tiggy do you want to Tell us a little bit about Haas and our King Gunther. Gunther. Oh, Haas. I'm so happy for them, honestly. Like, just to start off, clearly Gene Haas had faith in him, just putting all the eggs in the 22 basket because he was able to keep his job throughout all of this shit show. You know, I think, I don't know. They've He's, he's made it through a chaotic start to the season. And so let's talk about their results. P5. Um, 
Kevin Magnuson has returned first points for Haas since 2020. And in 2020, they only had three points. 2021, they had zero points. So this is big for them. It's a huge, also a huge year for Mick, you know, for his future chances. He has to show how he stacks up compared to Kevin Magnuson, who's considered a great driver, um, but not, you know, a super talent. So we'll see. Um, This race isn't super indicative because Mick got spun out by Ocon on the first lap. but, you know, I think there we, we've got a lot to see from them coming up in the season. And we'll talk about them in Saudi, too. Obviously, they had um, some unfortunate things happen in that race. But anyway, I'm, I'm pumped to see how Haas does and really happy for Gunther and the whole team over there. We're so pumped for Haas. On the flip side, only American-owned team. <laughs> we are very happy for them. Um, speaking of American-owned, McLaren and Zach Brown. Um, did not do too well. So for those who don't know, Zach Brown is the principal of McLaren. He's our only American CEO. So obviously we have a soft spot for them as well. But I mean, there's not much to say about McLaren. Well, the principal is actually Andreas Seidel, who is very much not oh. American. But Zach is much more active than a lot of the other CEOs. So he, Okay, that's why I thought that. Yeah, he gets the airtime. Like, yeah, he's really on the ground in all the races. And he is really more of a prominent figure than... The principle is, which is interesting because in most teams it's the reverse. Dwell too much on McLaren. They, yeah, they were the only team in the race to start on medium tires. It just turned out to be a disaster. I think they were trying to get ahead of it and start a little bit different than anyone. So let's talk about Alfa Romeo. I mean, we talked about this before, but Botas had a very strong quality and he came P6, so he got some points for the team. And again, Alfa Romeo, not typically a high scoring team at all. So they're definitely outperforming expectations this year. And they also have a Ferrari engine. I'm just going to keep throwing that in there. <laughs> and their rookie driver, Joe, he got, he got points, which is awesome. So good for him. And the first driver from China. Um, so that was really cool to see. It was amazing. Um, so I think one thing to mention about this race, because we saw it play out, was the tires. So we're going to talk about regulations later, but something to look out for you know, in the next few races is the tires are different this year. They are bigger. The tire blankets have to be at a lower temperature. It makes it harder for the drivers to heat up their tires coming out of the pit lane. Yeah, it was interesting. Like Hamilton on his outlap from his first pit stop was literally sliding around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. And yeah, about the pit stops being longer. Um, Red Bull could get under two seconds last year. And now it seems like a lot of the teams are really more in the three second zone. Like some are in the mid, like two five-ish, but a lot of them are three seconds or even more. So that's also something to watch out for. All right, Sarah, this is your favorite part. (laughs) Tell us about Max on the radio and then we can talk about the next race. Oh my gosh. So we are going to pick out from every race kind of our favorite radio snippet. And so ours from this race was Max yelling on the radio. I'm never, ever doing that again about not pushing on his outlaps. He was freaking out. I guess he was told not to push on both of his outlaps um, and thought he missed two chances to overtake Charles and was not happy. And I always think of him as someone who doesn't usually criticize his team too much in hindsight on the radio. So that was interesting from him and clearly just showed he was frazzled during this race for sure. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. 
Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. Yeah, let's move on to Saudi guys. Um, I think, I mean, it's worth chatting about what happened before the race even started. You know, there's missile strike on an oil depot really close to the track, only about 10 miles away. Um, you know, there's smoke from the explosion literally billowing across the track. You can you can see from photos how close it was. Yeah, it was wild. They only also the CEO, um, Stefano Domenicali, only delayed FP2 by 15 minutes, even though there had literally just been a bomb nearby. Um, and the powers that be, whoever that was, canceled media for drivers for Friday night after FP2. And then that was when the drivers kind of took it upon themselves to have this really long meeting. Some drivers really clearly weren't happy. There were commentators saying that this was the biggest kind of united show of driver discontent mm-hmm. since the 80s. In 1982, there was a strike at the South African GP um, and the Grand Prix Drivers Association led that, but it was resolved in time to be raced. Um, we're going to get more into this and discussing kind of F1 leadership and the business of F1, but it shows some of the tension with F1 leadership's goal to rapidly expand to new markets versus what the drivers yeah. actually want. Um, Seb had, Vettel had COVID, but he's really involved in the Grand Prix Drivers Association. And so is George Russell. George, after they, yeah, after they got out of this super late meeting, George went over again to meet with leadership. He was probably up till 3 or 4 a.m. the night before qualifying. But you're right, like F1 is such a business right now. And hate to say it, um, but it's like any other business. They're they're really there for the money, the viewership, the brand. And it was just definitely very contentious to see this play out. And then obviously the race still happened. So Yeah. We'll see. I mean I mean we'll see how it plays and out. And just the track too. Like it's it's not oh, a yeah. it, I mean it it's a dangerous track. It's a street circuit, top speed of 210 miles per hour. It's the fastest street circuit, super narrow, and it's dangerous. Like the cement barriers, I mean, we'll get into what happened with Mick, but like it's it's not a safe track. Yeah, and the drivers the drivers last year pretty vocally criticized how dangerous the track was. And then they made some small changes for this year, but they were small changes. Like they publicly said, oh, we moved a few barriers back a few meters. And several drivers said that wasn't enough. Carlos said the changes were tiny. So 
yeah, this whole this whole track is is a little bit a little bit contentious overall. Yeah. Well, should we talk about Mick? I mean, let's get into qualifying. Um, so I think Sarah, you mentioned Seb still had COVID, so he was replaced again by Hulkenberg and the big story of qualifying was Mick crashing. I mean, first off, thank God he's okay. Um, he was discharged from the hospital the same night. Um, but the, the car is completely just destroyed. You know, the gearbox literally fell out of the back. (laughs) Um, and they lost, they lost a radio with him. So he just wasn't answering. And for a while we were all like the, the, the TV coverage completely just flipped from that. Like they were not videoing or showing videos of the, of the crash at all. And we were all just so scared. But what happened, obviously, to get said it, the car literally got destroyed on impact. Like it just completely obliterated. Sarah, I think you said that they could still save the chassis, but everything else just completely um, was obliterated. And if you looked at it and you don't really understand F1 cars, it was like, it looks so scary and it was so scary. But we'll talk about this too when we talk about the structure and how cars get made. But the whole point is that the car exploding like that and like all the pieces flying off that helped to bear some of the impact and less of it went on Mick. So he actually like walked out of there unscathed, which is just insane. Amazing. But it is such a testament. Yeah. To some of the safety improvements, obviously um, there's been so many in recent years, but after Jules Bianchi died, the halo um, was created. And then after Roman Grosjean's um, Bahrain crash in 2020, the cars were also changed to be able to handle more impact. Um so super scary. Thank God he's okay. It could be up to a million dollars in damage. That's crazy. So Gunther's got some work on his hands. <laughs> and for us, that's like, that's, that's not a drop money. in the bucket. That's <laughs> literally so sad. That's, that's Gunther's <laughs> savings right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so because of the crash, there was a super long red flag, but then quality, you know, continued to be well underway. And I think the craziest thing that we were all shocked at was in Q1, Stroll eliminated Hamilton. Something you thought you would literally never hear. (laughs) And something that I like could never have imagined. It makes me so happy because I love to see, you know, I stir the pot, love to see it spiced up. And guys, what was crazy to me is when you hear the radio, Hamilton just goes, sorry guys. (laughs) I miss that. That's so funny. He was just like, I'm sorry, everyone. And, And like Hamilton's never one to blame his team really. So I guess that makes sense. But well, I don't know about that. I feel like he's more so than Max, <laughs> the one who's always on the radio, like, I stopped too early. Why did you call me in? I feel like he does kind of say, he says it in a calm voice, but he gets on the radio. and <laughs> It's all about the voice, man. <laughs> I know, sounds calm, but is actually slamming his team while he's still racing. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, he couldn't find any grip in qualifying. Um, he ended up starting P15. And the announcers literally said the sentence, Stroll eliminates Lewis Hamilton. Like, <laughs> what? Well, let's talk about what this means, guys. It's his first time missing Q2 in over 80 races. It's his worst qualifying on pure pace since 2009. Like, that's that's pretty crazy stats right there. Um, and this is his second race of the season. Like, it's not setting himself up well. I don't know how much of a comeback Mercedes is going to be able to make. I'm going to ruin the day that I said that, but <laughs> I'm still all for Ferrari. And so let's, let's talk about how Red Bull and Ferrari did in Well, in one Bali. second. First off, I need to give a shout out again to Botas. So Botas hasn't missed Q3 since 2016. So just putting that out there. Okay, Botas. 
<laughs> okay, so Red Bull Ferrari for this quality. No surprise to all. Max was upset on the radio. and He couldn't get his tires warmed up. He was cursing on the radio about no grip. So, I mean, we'll talk about this later. It's maybe the tires. Um, but he was sliding around. And then, no surprise to us all. But Ferrari really dominated. And Carlos, Tiggy's prince, was ahead of Charles. Um, <laughs> And then sadly, Charles pulled ahead on the last lap. But, but. then we had Checo coming hot. Guys, he got his first ever pull. We, just for everyone listening, we are all such big Checo fans and we have been for quite some time. So we are so psyched for him. It is That was the longest stint without a pull for any F1 driver ever. Um, <laughs> Our conquistador rises again. Yes. He only pulled it out by a few hundreds. It was yeah. so close. Yeah, I'm and pumped for him. Historically, yeah, he's historically not not the strongest in qualifying. Like His strength is really kind of fighting his way through the pack on Sunday mm-hmm. and defending so like yeah amazing yeah. so good yeah so we're we're excited for him this season um we'll see what he can bring so let's just recap really quick um the quality before we move on to the the spiciness that was the race so K-Mag P10 Botas P8 very impressive Russell P6 and again what we're really seeing here and we are gonna say it again and we're gonna keep saying it is the Mercedes versus the Ferrari powered cars M- McLaren both missed Q3 um, and we're just seeing the Ferrari power cars really, really come up and, and dominate. So I'm not going to jinx it, but I think it's going to be really good for them. It was crazy. And George Russell was the only Mercedes powered car in Q3 and he barely made it into Q3. <sighs> That's like that. a crazy guy the stat. Skin yeah. of his teeth. Um, and again, when we were talking about kind of the Carver's driver situation, the fact that he was P6 and Lewis was out in Q1 is another interesting thing to note. Yeah. Let's get into the race guys. Um, this just, I'm like still kind of heartbroken over it. Not to give too many spoilers. You're giving it away. I know. know, But people don't know. They know I love Carlos. They know I I love who could it be? Who am I talking about? Um, the biggest, the biggest thing for me going into this race, and I said this to my dad and he literally got a tear in his eyes. He was like, that was such an astute comment. I'm so proud of you was Checo P1, because this is crazy. We don't ever see him in P1. Checo is a very, very good defender. So we were like all looking forward to watching him just defend his ass off in this race and stay ahead. And Chessa, why is why is your family, in addition to being Ferrari fans, why are they also Checo fans? Oh, because we're Mexican. We are so proud of Checo. And to be honest, growing up in Mexico, we didn't follow F1 as much as like my Italian family did. But now when you're in Mexico, People love Checo. The support is insane. So, yeah, my dad was very happy that I made this very astute comment about Checo being an excellent defender. So <laughs> he had a he had a <laughs> he literally was like, "Oh my gosh, my prodigy daughter." Go <laughs> had a very strong start to the race. Um, he was leading into turn one, and then he was getting a nice strong gap between him and Leclerc up to two and a half seconds. Good opening, I think. What I want to talk about really quickly here was Alpine. Yes, Alpine. So I was about to say, we also have a big Alonso fan here in Chessa. So Chessa, take this yeah, part he's away. He's the oldest driver. He's the oldest driver. And I've been watching him since I was like so young. I never yeah, told you guys he's this. 40. Yeah, he's, he's so old. And when I was growing up in Scotland, we had a family friend who they were so obsessed with F1. They would take my dad to all the races and all of their dogs were named after F1 drivers. <laughs> Stop it. Did they have an Alonso dog? 
They had, um, no, because that's a weird name for a dog. They had a button. <laughs> no, like Jensen button. <laughs> that's so good. Sarah, I don't, I didn't really follow this part as much. And I feel like you have a good grasp on this. So tell us what happened with, with Alonso and Ocon. So they were super close and just going like wheel to wheel racing for several laps. Um, and it took seven laps for Alpine to give team orders to hold position, which was really surprising because obviously normally when teammates are fighting, burning out their tires, losing time, there's just an order to one car to stay in place. Um, and so this was really surprising. Um, but And they lost enough time to let Botas catch up and pass Ocon. But I was expecting them to be mad at each other after. But both of them, both Alonso and Esteban said that it was fun and hard racing and that they weren't upset. So that was <laughs> nice to see. I guess they really just wanted to let them loose and see what happened. Okay, hot take though. That's the mentality that you have when you're like not playing to win. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. I'll just leave it out I there. I feel bad, but I feel bad for Alonso because Alonso only came out of retirement because he was promised like a championship contention car. Um, and he went to Alpine? <laughs> I know, but... I feel bad. He just needed an excuse to come back, and we're all happy about that. We love him. Um, okay, so since we were talking about our um, kind of interest in radio messages, lap 15, Ferrari told Charles to box, and Checo responded by pitting. But then Charles stayed out, and literally immediately after Checo pitted, Latifi hit the wall, turned 27, safety car. Also, Latifi had wrecked during qualifying, so this is two rides for Latifi in two days. But let's guys. explain let's explain why this is so bad for Checo because a safety car means that that's basically a free pit for everybody else. So Checo goes to pit before the safety car, other people get in front of him and then there's a safety car and everyone else gets to pit and is on fresh tires too. So Checo oh, basically just gave up all of his spots and he ends up in P4. Checo just got so screwed over with the, the, the timing of this of this safety car was really bad. Yeah, it was truly just horrible luck. And Christian said after he thought that Checo would have won without the safety car. And that's, yeah, tough since he was, it was just such an insane lap from him on Saturday that it was really sad to have it not even convert into a podium. But naturally, he was a good sport about it because he's such a team player and a good sport about literally everything. And so classic Max, as we saw at the end of last season, he was super feisty on the safety car restart, pulling up alongside Charles. Um, <laughs> but Charles was able to hold him off. Um, also, Sarah, you say Charles so nicely. Say his name. Charles. 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 I say Charles. Oh, because we can't be the Americans who say like, Charles Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Leclerc. It pains me when people say Leclerc. <laughs> My sister says Leclerc. So also in addition to being feisty on the safety car, classic Max kind of being an on-track ref and multiple times. <laughs> I love that you said that on-track ref. I haven't heard you say that before. <laughs> it was like complaining about um, the lights on the back of Charles's car not working and then oh. Charles crossing the pit line twice and the second time max was yelling like he crossed the pit lane line <laughs> like okay i don't think that's like the most relevant issue right now i think the um, best thing that we saw was when magnuson overtook lewis like yeah. we're just this mercedes haas action and i just think it's so exciting it's fine that lewis made it back through but it happened <laughs> good for kevin 
Diggy, you're taking me off of my excitement. <laughs> we can still be. Yeah, excited. we'll end at the restart. We had some Russell versus K Mag. Um, Russell was able to overtake Max and get into P5 after the restart, but still two races in a row. Mercedes versus Haas. Yeah, crazy. Insane. This was another race where we had multiple cars retire around lap 37. Alonso, Ricardo, Botas all had to retire. Um, Really sad for Alonso because he was having a really good race. Do we know why all these cars retired? Like, it's true. Only 13 cars finished this race, which is rare. Like, there's always going to be one car that doesn't finish the race, but they have so many that didn't. Yeah, and it was crazy. It was all around the same time. So, um, McLaren hasn't said publicly what the issue was, um, but Botas was having engine overheating problems, and they wanted to get the car off because Botas was saying they'd kept it out for too long they'd have to potentially look at like taking an engine penalty it's too early way too early in season for that um Alonso also had overheating problems because a water pump failed and there was a cooling problem so it'll be really interesting to watch these reliability issues going forwards so I think towards the end of the race the biggest thing to talk about was just this matchup between Max and Charles so Max passed Charles at turn 27 Charles obviously is a patient son of a gun waited let him pass got the DRS and came right back. So I think what happened though, Max did learn his lesson from Bari. He, you know, instead of just constantly passing and then having Charles come through, um, he, he kind of came back and understood a little bit of the, of the stuff, but they were still playing DRS chicken. And yeah, what we're saying about DRS, um, people are calling it like DRS chicken. Um, What we were saying, how Max would pass Charles at turn 27, then on the main pit street, Charles would get DRS and pass him back. So they both had a huge lockup going past through turn 27 because both of them were breaking hard to try to stay behind the other car in order to get DRS on the straight. So it looks kind of insane like these Formula One cars slowing down so much to try not to pass the car in front of them. Um, but then finally, with three laps to go, Max got DRS on the straight, passed Charles, and won. And we had Charles P2 and Sainz P3. So again, both Ferrari drivers on the podium. Poor Sainz is like always going to be behind Charles for every last, every race this season. Don't count him out. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. But I'm just like he's probably so frustrated with himself. But that's he's consistent. Like consistently behind Charles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was a good. This was a good race for Max though. I think it was nice to see him pass Charles, get the DRS, be a little bit more of a patient driver, less like lungy and erratic. Um, and they obviously just needed this win so much because they just did so atrociously on the first race. Yeah, like literally zero points. Um, but it was also really great to see the sportsmanship, I would say, after the race. Like, I thought Charles would yeah, be so true. bitter about what happened. But, like, he was such a good sport. They shook each other's hands. Like, they – I yeah. I like their rivalry and I like their, their sportsmanship. I think it's going to be a model for sort of top drivers this season. For some of the other drivers, Lando was P7, which was, again, good relatively speaking, considering that it's been a disaster. He said the car still really struggles in low-speed corners and that the car hadn't actually improved from Bahrain. It was just that they were better suited to this track um so i'm nervous for them for australia um this is gonna be so bad for this whole season i know and the reason guys were were nervous for australia is because that's that's danny's home race and i just don't think it's going to be as you know illustrious as he had imagined (laughs) (laughs) um strong race for gasly p8 after dnf in bahrain so that was great p9 and points again for k mag um 
Go Haas, baby. But again, about reliability, um, some of this was because of crashes, but only 13 cars finished, which was pretty wild. So, so I think let's let's wrap up the race here with our radio of the day. This might not just be the radio of the day. This might be my favorite radio of all time. So, Tiggy, since you made it so much, why don't you tell us what happened? So, after finishing... Bono tells Lewis that he's P10, Lewis P10. <laughs> and, and Lewis goes, are there even points for that position? <laughs> what? A sassy. I'm dying. So sassy. Like, sir, you have been in F1 since 2007. Like, <laughs> I, I just think it's so funny. <sighs> that was petty. That was very petty. Yeah, people we got to give him some grace. We always shit on him. And, and we always, we said this last week, he's always the most gracious he part is. of like post-race interviews. He always has the best things to say. We're just mad because we want to see the underdogs. But that, that was petty. Yeah. So should we do a quick summary, guys, of a couple of races? And yeah, a quick off? summary. So Max vs. Charles, we had some really amazing clean racing, um, showing that the new regulations have worked to make it easier to follow and overtake. Drivers have said that it's much easier to pass. Clearly, cars are following much more closely. Battles are going on for longer. Um, it was really interesting. I feel like it was a strong response to last season and some of the content we got after last season. Toto and Lewis and Drive to Survive and kind of throughout the season made comments about how aggressive Max was, how Lewis made a comment about how you can't pass Max without crashing. Um, and clearly, we've had such clean racing that is not the case at least this season um but there is a little bit of a sense and commentators have been saying that max is racing less aggressively with charles than he did with lewis um, i wonder why i want to just wait and see i love it also we haven't talked about toto this is our first oh, mention we're gonna have a whole episode guys, dedicated just to toto guys we'll have to do a toto deep dive i love him oh god i love him <laughs> But besides besides Max and Charles, like going back and forth, it's gonna be exciting overall. I'm saying this now, Ferrari's gonna dominate. I'm just trying to be optimistic for all the Italian fans, but you're right, we shouldn't count Mercedes out yet. Toto is a superhuman, so I also think my kind of theory so far is I think that it's just so early on in the season and the title battle really hasn't heated up yet as part yeah, of why right. we're seeing such a friendly relationship I think also historically there was such an antagonistic Red Bull Mercedes relationship Christian's resentment of Mercedes was on such full display the last season of Drive to Survive um so we'll we'll see what happens and in Saudi also Max really needed the points and he just couldn't risk any contact after a DNF so I think it's gonna get more aggressive yeah, agreed. We're still very early days, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for us to come. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Ferrari. I know we should probably hit Mercedes, too, but Ferrari... There's nothing to say about Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about Ferrari. I know. We've talked enough about Mercedes. They really... Ferrari really needed this, you know? Like, I think we know that um, they've had a, a rough couple past seasons, but... They've put their eggs in this year's basket, and I'm super excited to watch the Carlos-Charles dynamic. I mean, let's not forget last year, Carlos beat Charles in the Drivers' Championship. Not by a lot, but he still beat him. Um, so let's not Yeah, it was only by out. five points, but a win's a win. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Guys, I did not know that. Tiki, no wonder you're so in love with Charles. I mean, with Carlos I'm in love with both. Come back. I'm right. in love with both. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they both really seem to like and respect each other, so... 
it'll be interesting to see if the elbows come out at all because as we've mentioned a bunch of times Carlos doesn't want to be the the second wingman guy like Botas or Checo um so he really needs to get his first win in there pretty ASAP um but yeah I mean it's an interesting dynamic with Charles's contract going until 2026 we will see there's a lot to think about this season and we'll be giving you guys a full recap of what to expect and and, and, you know, for the rest of the season, and we'll talk about the, all of the races. Australia's coming up next weekend. It's going to be very spicy, but. Totally. And last thing on Mercedes, super excited for George versus Lewis. I think it's going to get spicy. George performed out Lewis by a big margin in Saudi, as we were saying. It looked like they were going to get a chance to race. They were sitting at P5 and P6 before the VSC. I was so excited. I wanted it to happen. Um so I really want to see a battle like kind of the Alpine action we got oh, in Saudi. So that hopefully epic. that happens soon. George is definitely, I think, going to be feistier than Botas, and I think is a better driver. So that is a lot coming from you, Sarah. You love <laughs> Botas. I never. I, that, that is the last I thing Botas, I expected out of your mouth. <laughs> I think Botas was spicy. They just never let him be spicy. Like he was always kind of like, oh, I don't want to let Lewis pass. Blah blah blah. So. We'll see, Sarah. Interesting prediction. I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. All right. This has been fun, guys. We yeah. promise we'll have no more hour-long episodes, but we had to do two races, and this was our inaugural episode. So yeah. thank you all for listening. Follow us on Instagram at for the girls, but in seven O, it's an it's a number one, obviously. F1 for the girls. Send us your thoughts, questions, anything that you want to see us cover. Um, let us know what you want, and we'll see you here next week for the Australian GP recap. Bye.